What's going on? Fucking LA Times reviews up. Oh shit, what's it say? I don't know the fucking internet. Is it good? Hold on. Who sent it to you? No one, I just fucking found it. Wait, how come no one How come no one sent it to you? Oh shit, where's my fucking wallet? You don't have your credit card saved in your phone? No! Why? Because I don't, I don't trust that shit. Did what's her name write it? Well, the white girl? Yeah. Yeah. Well then it's gotta be positive she wrote it. Shit, I'm in a hole, so where's my motherfucking wallet? Did you check the bedroom? What? Did you check the bedroom? Yeah, check the fucking bedroom. Okay, well then did you check the bar? Yeah, check the fucking bar too, Marie. Where the fuck is the what? What daddy? Where the fuck is Oh I got it, I got it. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the all new Midnight Movie Club. Okay, back with a new episode of the Midnight Movie Club. The all new Midnight Movie Club. I'm your host, Lester Rowe, back with another episode. Uh, look, if you're new to the show, make sure you go follow on Arrowfilms, A R O W E Films. On Instagram, Twitter, uh, everything, basically. Or go to arrowfilms.com. You could go to the Midnight Movie Club pod. Midnight Movie pod. No, Midnight Movie Club pod on Instagram. Don't really use it. So it's kind of a waste of time, but it's there so other people who start there can get where I need them to be. Um, If you're listening and you're new to the show, uh, this show always contains spoilers. So... That doesn't mean every movie mentioned will be spoiled, but for the most part, if I mention a movie, it's a possibility it'll be spoiled. So I don't want to have to go through the process of saying spoiler alert. So if you want to know what movies are talked about, look at the show notes and that's how you will find out. Uh, let's see, man. Where do we want to start? Oh, first things first. So uh, I'll give myself... I got charged my phone, but oh well. We'll see if we can make it through the show. Um, recently, in recent news, in my news, uh, I uh, see it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because I don't ever say why I work, right? Because for several reasons. One reason being every time I do mention it, uh, somehow I end up in a meeting talking about what I said. Uh, or someone's kind of overthinking the things that I said. So I prefer, and I generally just do not mention why I work. But that won't change uh, for this episode, so don't even expect me to say that. But where I work, uh, in broadcasting, um, they have what's called the uh, Kansas Association of Broadcasters. And what it is is recognition to recognition to the broadcasters in Kansas, in different markets, small market, major markets, this whole thing. And uh, I was a recipient of several first place awards and uh, other recognitions as well. That is dope. Uh, it's dope for many reasons. Many reasons that's personal to me. Um, some of them is from uh, last year. Uh, I, I'm fairly new to the place. So last year the awards, uh, happened and I kind of took offense to some things that happened and I wore this kind of chip on my shoulder cause I'm a very competitive person. And through that, it made me very like intentional to like how I performed and I take my work serious all the time. So it's not really, I got to turn my thing off because for whatever reason when I do the show any show I do I get more notifications than I ever expect but anyway um I wore a chip on my shoulder that makes me and, and I'm very competitive so after the offense that I took I decided I'm gonna be even more intentional in how I perform and how I work and um people are just gonna have to deal with it and, you know, it's not one of these things where, okay, you deal with it, you you hold a grudge, you hold a fence, or you hold something near and dear to you, uh, personal, and you this is your driving factor. It's kind of one of those back-of-the-mind things. And, you know, it's kind of like Michael Jordan on The Last Dance where they say, like, uh, uh, this and that happened, 
and I took that personally. And it was just something that he made up in his head um, uh, about another competitor. But it was one of those things that kept him with a competitive edge. And at the end of the day, you know, when you're a creative person, you need something to kind of fuel that fire. To, to make you work hard, to 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 be motivated and, and inspired. Sometimes that comes from a, a positive place. Sometimes it comes from a negative place. So I'm kind of a mixed bag of all that, but I will, I can, I can wholeheartedly say that this came from a very, 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 very negative place. Um, but despite that, I can't let that, I don't want that to ever feel like I'm gloating about something. I am. But <laughs> with that, I do appreciate um, some of, you know, some of the collaborators that I had in, in the process. And um, it's hard for me to, like, make posts about this type of stuff. I made them. You know, there's posts about there. If you go to Arrow Films on Facebook or any version of my social media, you'll see it. But um, I don't like to kind of type all that out because the longer you type, the more pretentious you try to you sound and sometimes it gets, for me at least, I start to feel like, ugh, ugh, bragging. Like I'm very competitive. I love talking, I love competing than I do winning. Winning is like, all right, I compete to win. So it's like, if we win, that's what I expected to do. But the competing is more thrilling. And in this particular case, you know, because I have a platform in the show, I can talk about it a little bit more than, than, than I normally would. Uh, so by name, I have to name uh, Annette Lawless, Jay Prater, Jennifer, uh, Jessica Crawford, uh, Tim May, um, uh, Jacob Smith. Um, you know, I'm trying. I'm miss somebody, but those specifically in the contribution that they gave and some of the. Uh, acknowledgments that came from the Kansas Association Broadcasting Awards. Um, more, more specifically, uh, well, not even specifically, definitely 65 Minutes, the uh, Green, a Greensburg story, the documentary created, uh, me, Annette, and Tim, you know, we saw two different acknowledgments. One, uh, well, I, I can't even name the categories because I ain't even really hip to that like that. And we have a much bigger plan at play, so it's not as like crucial that I name those, but it, it was recognized twice. Uh, and amazing enough, you know, in one of the in, in the category we won second place for, Annette won first place with one of her uh, franchise pieces. Uh, but more specifically, so congratulations there, period, because. Being acknowledged is one thing, you know, being able to place in place with people that I respect and love their work and love the things they're doing, their ambitions and the ability to think outside of the box and places that want you to be inside of a box. I'm appreciative of it every step of the way. Uh, Jessica, Jessica Crawford, who was like, I mean, that was like, you know, working with her was like amazing for me. Not even amazing. I only want to say it was thrilling. It just was fun. And not often do you go to places where every time you're around a person is just kind of fun. And we would just come up, me, her, and then circling back to Jay. Um, we were able to 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 push uh tech forward where we're at. And doing something that's a little bit outside of the box that is just about developing brand, branded personality and um creative content. And we were doing that for a while before that got shut down. And then one of the things that, you know, I was tasked to do was make, uh, well, not even tasked to do, it was one of these things that we pitched uh, for Mental Health uh, Week, um, Mental Health Awareness Week or month. But it was like, yo, we can do something that's evergreen because it's Mental Health Awareness. It's not just a month, it's all around. And so me and Jessica worked together. Uh, I was some. The 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 script was written for me for this particular commercial. I sent it to Jessica. Jessica was like, eh. And she has this look that she gives you when she really ain't feeling something. And or especially, you know, uh with me, because being both people of color, black folk, we kind of have a way of communicating without communicating words. And she would get she gave that look and and she said some things. It was like, yo. This is bad. This is whack. Like, this is not 
what we need to do. This makes mental health pitiful. It makes it like it, it, it continues to push the stigma that comes with mental health. Let's come up with something different. Let's be fresh. Let's be tech savvy. And uh, she came up with doing this QR code thing. And um, I wasn't with it at first, but she was definitely about it. And I said, okay, if you think this should go, I'm going to go back in here and pitch this. And I'm going to stand behind it if you believe in it. And she was like, yeah, because this is happening, this, this, that, and the third at this place. So I went, pitched it. We ran with it. And we put it on TV. And the biggest risk was making a commercial that had a QR code for an extensive amount of time. And that's what we did. Um, that was that support was echoed during the Super Bowl that year or this past year when an entire ad played as a QR code. And it was talked about the next day as one of the most talked about uh, commercials during the, during the Super Bowl. So it helped validate that we were we actually moved the ball forward in terms of um, tech and and using technology to help help tell a story or 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 be a part of just a campaign. And uh, so we won first place for the mental health awareness PSA that we created. And it was just thinking outside the box, doing something different, being create, excuse me, being creative. And it just worked out. And and I can't be more happy, not just uh, for me, but for, again, working with people who want to be creative and different and push those boundaries. So very appreciative of that uh, as well. She won first place for a Black History Month piece that she made. So, you know, a lot of times I can get, like credit for stuff, but man, I be standing next to some giants and some giants that trust me um, to to create and make those things possible. So um, that along with some other uh, recognitions, but those are the ones that I really want to kind of just give uh, some acknowledgement to because I can, I have a platform to do so. And I won't be able to, like, I won't be able to celebrate them the way I want to celebrate them. And they won't be celebrated the way I think they should be celebrated. So um, if I can say something and, and, and put it into the ether, put it into the world of live forever and podcast, audio world, then that's what I'm going to do. So that happened. Uh, and that gave me the ability to have something to talk about very early in the show so I can move on to the next thing. Um, Netflix, I watched this show. I watched several documentaries on Netflix. And, you know, Netflix had the issue with the whole password sharing thing that was like um, a thing, I guess. Not I guess, it was a thing. People was like, Netflix is going to fail. I don't know why this animal keeps jumping up on everything. All of a sudden, it just makes circles around the house and just jumps on things and jumps off of it. Places that it never even jumped on before. Suddenly. Nevertheless, uh, Netflix was going. It was on the verge of nine canceling, but like people was just upset with Netflix about this and how they talked about losing this money, and they talked about losing millions and millions of dollars just to, um, and then came back and said, no issue, and the stock went down, everything, no issue. We project that we're going to make millions of more dollars in the fourth quarter. Well. I was a skeptic. I'm like, come on, son, man. But the problem you got is y'all spending too much money on these uh, tentpole shows and movies. Will Smith, Adam Sandler, getting all, getting all these big names and not just making more smaller pieces, less expensive pieces with really great stories. And, of course, your documentaries stay hidden, so you don't have to do this. You don't have to, you don't have to keep spending this type of money. Well. It was on Netflix. No, I was on Twitter. And I was getting these ads for um, movies and shows. And then at the end, don't, don't, Netflix. I'm like, God damn, I got to watch that. God damn, I got to watch that. I go to Letterbox. I got to add to my Letterbox so I don't forget that it's on Netflix to go see it. People at work talking about certain things. I'm saying, well, you see that? It's on Netflix. Like, son, does Netflix, is Netflix still popping like this? Not that it wasn't, not that I wasn't like still checking on it. I didn't, 
I didn't stop watching Netflix. I just didn't think it was going to be making all this money. Well, turned it on. And back to back to back, it was just stuff that I wanted to watch. You got the Woodstock train wreck documentary. I didn't watch that yet. Go and watch it. Um, uh, what's another joint? Uh, there's a joint with cats <laughs> that looks interesting. Um, I'm going to jump on that, I believe. The Sandman. Uh, what else we got? Uh, How to Change Your Mind. That joint, that's about the uh, uh, mushrooms. You know I'm with that. This okay. The one I want to watch is just past the Gray Man. That joint I got caught watching the DB Cooper joint. I want these guys. It's like DB Cooper is one of these cases that I just love. Anything about it last year, or at least during the pandemic, you know the way this stuff worked. We don't really, we don't really know when we watched anything at this point. But I watched DB Cooper uh, on HBO. They had a really great documentary on that. So, of course, I mean, and I've been following D.B. Cooper forever. If y'all know D.B. Cooper is, D.B. Cooper is a, is is the, the guy. It's an unsolved mystery of a guy who hijacked a plane, got uh, basically a quarter million dollars, and jumped off the plane with a parachute into nothingness in the dark sky of nothingness and was never found again. The money was never found. Some of the money they say was found um, on this beach or whatever or the shore, but he was never found. And then it became a thing of like, who is D.B. Cooper? And the crazy thing is D.B. Cooper ain't even the guy who jumped off the plane. D.B. Cooper is because somebody got the name wrong. It was like Dan Cooper was the guy that was wrote, there was a typo, someone put D.B. Cooper, now infamously and forever known as D.B. Cooper. Take a shot for every time I say D.B. Cooper. Um, So, with that, with that, another documentary produced by Netflix, a little five-part piece, and uh, they go on the run of trying, like most people, to solve the case of D.B. Cooper. And... I got to tell you, I don't, I can't say that this is the best D.B. Cooper joint that I watched, but it's really good because at some point someone says, maybe we've been looking the wrong place. And all the things that matches the story of D.B. Cooper actually comes from a comic book. And this comic book was produced by someone in Canada. Who would have saw, who would have read this comic book? Someone in Canada. And I'm like, I guess. We're going to Canada. <laughs> Next episode, Grand Mountie, Moose, uh, Snow, Canada. So we're in Canada. Once again, really didn't solve the case. And the person who they thought it was going to be, he ended up dying. They got another episode where they chase a guy this whole time. This one detective or whatever he's supposed to be was clearly just obsessed with this one person being and he chased him. He ran down on him and said, look, I got, I got $20,000 in my pocket. You can sell your story if you want it. As long as you admit who you really are. Just admit who you are for Christ's sakes. He had Google glasses on. You know what I'm saying? He had, he, he had, he agreed to meet him and meet and do all these things and, Showed up to his job a couple times. Like, just say who you are, pal. When white man say pal, he mean that shit. He said, look, I got a deal for you. One thing I know, white man say he got a deal. Or what's your deal? Or what's your fucking deal? He goddamn serious. He ain't playing no more. He won't. He, he ain't. He means business. <laughs> and he did. And that guy never admitted to being that and at this point i kind of feel like and i think the fbi said the case is closed i don't know if there's a um um statute of limitations to something like this but man this is a serious show and i really enjoy it. so if you want to watch something about the heroin escape of db not even a heroin escape at this point but just people trying to solve the mystery of db cooper and this time on netflix 
Go watch it on Netflix. It's there. Five-part little joint. They got the trailer like they always do. So there's that. Uh, I also got into a joint called I Just Killed My Dad. I got a couple episodes in on that, but um, um, I never even finished it. Um, Actually, it's not even that I finished it. I just fell asleep. I went on a run. I watched too many things. And, uh, you know, you get to watching too much on Netflix, man. You, psh, psh. Are you still watching? Nah, man. Uh, I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm going to get some good sleep. Good should I. Uh, man, I tell you, it's only on record days does this dang um, phone go off. And I could sworn I put it on. I put it on vibrate. Then I saw a documentary called Untold. Untold. Now, if you're not a sports fan, you're not really going to understand this. But Man Titeo is a football player who was recruited. I don't even remember what. Um, I don't even remember what team at this point. Because I, 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 I think he was like a lineman, a de- defensive lineman. Something like this. But he has a documentary called Untold. The girl who didn't exist. And I couldn't believe it. I hope, I hope it's an hour. I, I hope it's not a 90. I hope it's not even the three, four parter. Because that got to be the most insignificant story. And I hate saying that. I hate to be dismissive like that. Especially as a person that creates, you know, um, but I have to be because that story was not even important in the NFL. Could he play for, he got made fun of. Yes, of course you do. When you make up uh, that you have a girlfriend, not only that you made it up the girlfriend, the girlfriend died. And was he gay? I can't even remember because I haven't watched the documentary and it was so long ago. It was so long ago. So the fact that this has become a Netflix original is baffling to me. But people say it's good. People say it's good. But if you had, I, I, w- I want to get one more plug on something on Netflix. And that is, um, that is uh, The Web of Lies. I believe it's Web of Lies. Web of Make Believe. Uh, the Web of Make Believe is a documentary series about basically crimes committed th- via internet. Um, but more specifically, my DP uh, for Strangers in a Diner was also DP on uh, the very first episode of Web of Make Believe. It's about swatting. Um, there was a, 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 a incident here in Kansas, which is more specifically where someone was swatted and it resulted in his death. But it's tricky because it, in ways, um, in ways, it shouldn't even happen. You know, there was an ever, uh, overzealous police department, uh, overzealous, uh, um, do I say police department? We'll, we'll say SWAT team, overzealous. It's almost like they was waiting for some action. And I can tell you, this documentary, this episode of this documentary goes really, does a really good job in kind of painting a picture and painting a scene of what happened because locally here, everyone knows what happens and, and, and what they explain isn't far from the truth at all, at all. Up until the point of talking to the people that was in the house that night and the, 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 the aftermath of what those people went through Andrew Finch and his family went through after that situation and um, uh, and what swatting is is basically it's a prank and it's like you know these you know people play video games online and they kind of challenge each other gets challenge each other and get really aggressive and sometimes if they can find your information and there was a you should watch this part at least but there was a, 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 if they can find your information to continue explaining swatting, they can find your information, send a realistic si- si- sounding threat 
that then prompts the police to activate their SWAT units to come deal with that person that's being pranked. And that means, you know, someone getting their door kicked in or in this case, the death of Andrew Finch because he was swatted. He came outside. They asked him to show his hand. He put his hands up. They shot him. And I only shot him when they came in to see what was happening. They continued to walk over him and people saying, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. You fucked up. And he laid on the ground gurgling and dying without any help from the police. The EMTs were not allowed to come in. It's just, it's, it's a crazy story. It's on Netflix. The web of make-believe. But my DP, uh, Andrew Claycomb, also DP'd that episode. So while we're talking about Netflix, I want to make sure I shout my mans out. Um, moving on, how about a little news? Kenya Barris, the producer of Blackish. Uh, let me see, what else he do? He got Blackish. No, Blackish is on TV. He got a, a joint on Netflix itself. Not Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. I forget what it's called. Uh, let me see if I can find it. He got the mo- movie You People. Uh, that's coming out on uh Netflix. That should be dope. I don't really want to say what this, but I can't find it. But can't uh, I can't find what his other show was? It, but it's, it's it's it was hilarious. On Netflix as well. Um, I think he got wokish as well. I don't know. But anyway, Kenya Barris, black director, uh, you know, some of our black elites in Hollywood, he is making an adaptation in a new take on Dorothy and the Land of Oz. I could have actually said, speaking of Kansas, on this one. I'm looking forward to this. Not forward to this. There's not a lot to talk about other than that Kenya Bears is doing. Uh, he's a uh, mostly a comedic, um, not comedic actor, a comedic director. He does act on his Netflix show, uh, but I'm interested interested to see the take that he has on Wizard of Oz. More than likely, that means that it's going to be a mostly black cast. But I could be absolutely incorrect. And just assuming so because much of his, much of his other work is uh, black led, so I'm really uh, interested to see what 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 he has in store. Um, let's see what else we got here, man. Um, I got something else I do want to talk about before, but I wanna um, I wanna uh, hit one more little news piece. But I can't find it here. This so we'll move on. Um, now to kind of get into the deeper part of the show, we'll talk about something that means something. I saw. I said I got a couple things I would talk about. Um, but I saw this, and I can't remember because I can't find the article. Oh, it was John Lequizamo. Let me look this up. John Lequizamo. I wonder if I can find it now, now that I know. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. John Leguizamo has no problem with James Franco, but appropriating our stories, no more of that. Uh, James Franco is playing Fidel Castro in a new film. James Franco is not Cuban. And that's the issue. And, and, and so the issue is, you know, it's appropriating, appropriating culture, white pl- people playing outer race characters. Uh, you know, there's been a whole thing about why how, cast a straight man to play a gay character. Uh, um, you know, we can go back to Brokeback Mountain, you know, something that is short with Heath Ledger. I forget who we play opposite of. Um, but this issue of... <sighs> I guess it's appropriating or it's acting, you know, or it's acting or it's acting. Um, 
I don't think I'm not of the ilk of really having a problem with this because what happens is, I mean, my position at least is, um, you know, this idea of appropriation of where someone, uh, let's say, uh, as I mentioned, a white player, a white person playing Hispanic or Mexican or, you know, uh, 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 you had, um, Tom Cruise play a few characters, just different characters not playing, um, not being the race or the ethnicity of the role that they're playing. And in some cases, the sexual, uh, I don't even know the right language there. A straight person play a gay man. A straight person playing trans. Um, that's becoming an issue. And they're calling it uh, casting police. The idea of having casting police. I personally, <sighs> I guess also it's tough. It's tough because doesn't you 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 can't really fake being a black person on screen. I mean, you could. There's blackface. Robert Downey Jr. did it in Tropic Thunder. That had its own little whirlwind because it brought back uh, the idea of uh, blackface. But I understand. Oops. I understand the issue with that. But it's acting. And... You know, you look at the thing of the idea of, uh, you know, and and, and I, I've had this thing, you know, when you work in a certain world, you see how things happen. You fix one thing and you create a problem. And in this case, fixing the problem of diverse casting, which should happen. I don't disagree with that. I don't even think that what I'm going to say should affect what you plan to do with your film I personally go out the way to think about diversity in my stuff but I also also will always lean on I'm just gonna I, I'm, I'm gonna get the person I think is best for the role you know if that means changing a role and making it fit I'll do that but I also don't write stories that are race well, that's a lie. I'm not in a place where I care that much about race or sexual orientation or preference. So, um, my Strangers in the Diner started off as a man and a woman, black man, uh, white woman, uh, black man, Hispanic woman. And then it flipped into... Basically, black and Hispanic woman and a white man, a white woman. I'm sorry, kept the name because it helped it be a little bit more daring and creative. Um, but I think the problem that it creates is when you all, when we already don't write enough of those roles, gay roles, um, Asian roles, uh, Hispanic roles, and when I say that, I mean that with that thought in mind. When it's not about like, oh, I'm just going to hire the best actor to play Tom. And that happens to be a Hispanic dude or it happens to be an Asian dude or whatever. Um, you end up pigeonholing um, the work that um, maybe a gay person does get. Because then you have to go, okay, well, we're not, since we have to do this this way, this role is written for a straight man. And yeah, I know Neil Patrick Harris has played a lot of straight characters, but he's not straight. So we're going to hire a straight man for this. See, kind of like what I feel like that creates. When it's already a marginalized role, I think it makes it, if we play by that that ideal, it creates less work for marginalized people than it adds work. And it's acting. You know, like, it's acting. Their job is to 
audition for a role. And if that role works for them, execute the fuck out of that role on set. No matter what you are. There's been plenty of gay men, openly gay men, to play straight characters. Because the orientation really didn't matter or the preference didn't matter to that script or that movie or that or, or, or that thing. When a lot of emphasis, like this emphasis of like um, James Franco playing Fidel Castro, would it be better? Yes, absolutely. But if he pulls it off, wins the Oscar, nominated for Oscar, what does that say? Does that say that he was a very a very great at performing the role of Fidel Castro, Cuban, you know, leader? Or does it take a job and opportunity away from a Cuban actor who may be okay? You know, if, if the best that they found that could do the role how that director or casting agent for that film could do? Are they wrong for hiring the best? Okay, now let's let's walk back a little bit. We know that there's probably a lot of great, um, many great Cuban actors out there that could probably play Fidel Castro. We know that to be true. We know that to be a fact. Um, but is James Franco not allowed to act? I know this is like it's 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 tricky because for me, could a white man play Martin Luther King? Easy answer, no. Complex actor answer is gotta see it. Gotta see it. I think sometimes you have to give things a chance to be seen. We need to see the failure. <laughs> we need to be able to see the failure. Um, uh, what's her name? Zoe Saladana. I don't think it's Zoe Saladana. She she played Colombiana. That's the name of the movie, I think. Then she turned around and played, um, damn, what's her name? Uh, let me look it up. And they fucking hated her for this shit, too. Nina. She played Nina Simone. Dark skin, black woman, thick lips, big eyes. She was nothing like Zoe Saladana. She looked nothing like Zoe. Zoe got killed for taking the role because she wasn't a dark-skinned black woman. She got killed for that. Before anyone watched a single scene, before anyone knew if she could pull it off. She got killed for it. Not literally. But, now granted, by the time you saw the movie, it was bad. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't good. Wasn't good. Zoe took, Zoe took an L on that. But, she had, we had to see it. I had to see it. Before I said something is wrong with this, I had to see it. Knowing that Zoe doesn't look like Nina Simone. She doesn't favor Nina Simone. She doesn't have the body of Nina Simone. She probably couldn't sing like Nina Simone. She had nothing similar to Nina Simone. But I had to see it. I had to see it. Javier Bodin plays Desi Arnaz. Okay, everything seems right about that. Everything seems like that should happen. Plays plays Desi, and he stunk the place up. 
He stunk. And they casted it correctly. A Spanish man plays a Spanish character. Right? That's what we want to do. We want to cast it the right way. And he stunk. We saw it. We had to see. We had to wait. We had to give the opportunity to happen. One of the greatest actors of our generation, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Greatest actor of our generation. I give you two roles. He played a Cuban in Shaft. In Shaft starring Samuel Jackson. And he played Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. What do we do? What do we do? Greatest actor of a generation. Was that casted correctly? Was it casted correctly? I don't know. I don't know because that doesn't bother me because you have to see it. Have to see it. Robert Downey Jr. plays a black person. Robert Downey Jr. plays a black person. In Tropic Thunder, on paper, out of are you out of your fucking mind? But had to see it. Had to see it. Now I don't know what's right or wrong, but I know where I stand, and where I stand on it is that I feel like it's okay. We can't continue to make the arts and entertainment not that it's liberal, not that it's progressive. We can't create inner controversy I get that we're developing we want to be aware we want to be acknowledging of the people that that, that are suppressed people like me people who are pushed um, who are are disenfranchised who are marginalized I understand it I I, I would love to see more Native American people playing Native American roles we have uh, Reservation Dogs on FX great fucking show but there does come a time where you got to let the arts be the arts. For, it, it, you have to have the opportunity to screw up. You have to have the, have the opportunity to get it wrong. And getting it wrong is the, a, a poor casting choice. But it performed greatly. Idris Elba's been playing. A, Idris Elba's been playing everything. Could there be a black James Bond? This is a big conversation. Could there be a black version of an already fictionalized character? Could there be a black Bruce Wayne? Could there be? And you know what we're really saying? Could Idris Elba play James Bond? Because that's who we're looking for. Could Idris Elba play Bruce Wayne? We know the answer is yes, because it's make-believe and it's fake. It's a fictionalized thing. But that's how dear we hold these characters sometimes. And they are exactly what they are. They're characters. They're make-believe. It's a representation of something. Every school across America is probably doing a one-act play or maybe, okay, they're doing a play of the crucible. Some are doing plays of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Raising in the sun. I just told you, Kenya Barris is probably going to make a black adaptation of The Wizard of Oz. These are happening. These are things. These are real things. So easy we can get caught. So easy we can get caught. Actually, one of my favorite films, Gone Girl. Neil Patrick Harris plays a straight white man. And we know Neil Patrick Harris is a very much gay, black, white man. The 
think about these things. Think about what we're fighting for. This is as very this is really close to semantics as possible on a very fucking absolute uh real level. And I kind of think it's childish. I think it's bullshit. And I understand where it comes from. We want to make sure people can get jobs. We want to make sure marginalized people can get work. And I want that 100%. Um, but I think the argument, this argument isn't the right argument because it's acting. Um, if a Cuban person comes to the audition and they do it great and they do a great job, because what happens is they're not looking at the one white person and saying, yeah, they're looking at the several and going, this actually makes sense. Not only does this make sense, this makes sense business-wise. Now, is that nasty? Yes. It's business. Chick-fil-A sells chicken sandwich to secular people. It's illegal. It's illegal to do otherwise. You have to do it. You have to open it up to anybody being able to get a role. Not just not just the marginalized person and not just the white person. Now, there should be some explanation a little bit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that either. But uh, I don't know. It's just a topic to think about. And then I don't have anyone to talk about it with. So uh, feel free to hit me up. Go to uh, Arrow Films on all platforms, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, A-R-O-W-E Films, and, uh, you know, give me a piece of your mind. Got one more thing on here, and I'm going to get out of here. Um, damn, do I even want to? So I'm circling back to the beginning of the show. Talked about the awards. Damn, I guess this is a Netflix show. Um, and one of it is um, a show that I really enjoyed. I really got a big kick out of. That I watched after big, big, big uh, um, controversy in black Twitter, Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie um, is about a couple um, played by um, Denzel Washington's son, David Washington. And um, who I can't who who is that? Cause she's been killing it, and I always forget her name because I mix her up with Zoe. Um, what is her name? Let me get her name real quick. Zendaya, John David Washington and and Zendaya, and uh, Malcolm and Marie, which was big in black culture. It blew up in black culture. The arguments in Malcolm and Marie was very toxic and very representation of arguments I've had, arguments that others have, the gaslighting we do to each other, the passive aggressiveness, the things just couples do in the name of very toxic love, but love, but love. But the thing that got me most about uh, Malcolm and Marie wasn't um, the relationship part. I think that was great acting. I think I think it was great acting. Um, I think the choice of black and white was great. Some of this was about the pandemic and being able to record and film and have crews and then, you know, the cost, of, uh, obviously. But I think what we ended up watching was um, foreshadowed in the beginning. At the beginning of Malcolm and Marie, Malcolm, and Marie uh, Malcolm comes in. They both come home from, it looks to be that they went to like an award show or something like this. And the award show was um, um, was it an award show? It's been a while. I think it was an award show and then Malcolm was talking about what the critics were saying about his film and, and 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 things like this. And he was talking about some of the speeches that was being made and then some of the performers as well and the other things that he was up against and and and, and Marie was supporting him and the things that he was saying. And there was a lot of arrogance. There was a lot of 
of of commentary on art and how people can watch something and walk away having a conversation about it as if they truly understood what was going on. This goes back to the last, one of the last episodes where I talked about the YouTuber and how they put more on the artist than the artist may have put into those situations. But Malcolm, Malcolm made, a, made this commentary early in the film about how critics, how other, uh, the, the audience, and we'll just say for lack of better terms, the peers or other competitors talk about that world and and what we do. And then another lens of it is the arrogance that we do in private that we don't do in public. And to me, Malcolm and Marie is not about their relationships that we deal with uh, for the greater half, greater, greater half of the movie. It's about artists creating art. That's what I believe the bigger, the bigger, the bigger idea of Malcolm Marie was about is about artists creating art, what it means to be an artist and what they go through in the creation of their art. I say that knowing that the greater half of the movie is about the relationship, but that was the art. They told you what they were going to do in ways. So after they told you their position at the uh, banquet or ceremony or whatever it is, I can't remember, how they view critics, how they view audiences, how they view their peers, they all go on to finish this film where the acting is superb. The acting takes place in one location, technically. And it's really about these two people and what we did after the film was talk about what we thought it was about, what I'm doing right now. We talked about what we think it was about. We talked about the themes. We talked about how we connected to it. Then the critics took hold. And the critics created um, dissertations and think pieces behind it, as I'm doing now. And then, of course, you know, the regular reviews and rants. They did exactly what what happened at the beginning. And to take it a step further, going back to the beginning of the show, we talk about these awards and all this type of stuff. It's crazy how I kind of webbed this whole show together. It's kind of cool. Kind of great like that. Um, Where I look at a certain part of this award ceremony, the Kansas Association of Broadcasters. And I look at, you know, 65 Minutes, a Greensburg story. And I look at as a competitive person, what it lost to. So I lost to my peer, who was also a part of the project. Doesn't bother me because that's my peer. I asked that person to be a part of this project because I knew how much she is dedicated to the art, the craft, and competing as well. We talked about my bigger goal, our bigger goal for that project. Then I go to another category in which 65 Minutes gets honorable mention. And again, I'm okay with that. It loses to a franchise piece that another station had, Aaron as a special, um, and then lost to another special that was about Bob Dole. Bob Dole, American hero. Bob Dole, who is a major part of Kansas. Uh, I saw the piece, I watched the piece, and, you know, we spent three months on that project on Greensburg. Original original 
uh, interviews, traveled, archived interviews, combed through uh, years of information, went through many, many days of research, put a lot of work into that. And so I look at the Bob Doe piece, I'll archive, you know. A lot of it is set in stone because everyone knew, you know, the inevitable was eventually going to happen. Um, now, as an artist, as Malcolm, I walk away, I look at that and say, of course, of course. Of course, there's no appreciation for all the work that we did. Of course, there's this. Of course, of course, um, no one understands what it really took. No one understands the skill that it took, how much we worked together, how much we collabed, how much, you know, we even go out down, all the way down to original music and scoring for a documentary special that left a lot on the floor, a lot of the scheduling, a lot of working together had to happen for Greensburg. Not just about me, but that's what I walk away thinking about. That's where I walk away feeling, right? As an artist, that's what you go home and you say. That's the ego that we go away with because of how much you care about the craft. That's what Malcolm did while also acting his ass off, John David Washington. Same as Marie. They put on a clinic. They put on an amazing acting clinic for us to only walk away with they're toxic. The mac and cheese. People people stay in these type of relationships too long. They did so good of a job at acting, at creating art that the conversation wasn't how good Malcolm and Marie was, not how well Zendaya and John David Washington was. It was about mac and cheese, toxic relationships and arguments. Imagine putting that much work into something and this is what people walk away with. So it, to me, Malcolm and Marie was about Artist creating art and the relationship it has with the viewer. The relationship it has with the critics. And how the artist walks away and has to deal with that. Arrogantly, the ego plays a big part of all of it. And that was on display in Malcolm and Marie for me. Now, don't get it wrong. I, I use myself as an example because I'm competitive. I respect everyone that won. I have appreciation for everyone that won. I'm not just saying that because I'm on here. Because I also look at it like I'm, I'm, I'm not a part of the system enough to know and, and, and understand how this works. I don't know if, it's a, if there's a campaigning that's involved or if there's politics involved or anything else that goes with you know, the, the, the system. I just know we, we worked as hard as we could to make the best thing possible. And that's what we put out there. And, and, and the people chose how they chose, you know, as far as I understand the system. And the other things were good pieces. The Bob Dole piece was a great piece. I watched it. Uh, uh, the franchise piece was, uh, and, and I'm not naming it for, uh, for, for a reason. The, um, uh, other piece was was good. I mean, the franchise piece I, I've seen and I enjoy personally. I watch it personally, uh, so I, I know what that was capable capable of doing. And um, 
You know, I just I know the effort that we put. And so when I walk away, I walk away not bitter, but with my own ego telling me we should have won and this is why we didn't win. And of course, this is why we didn't win. Because that's what we should do. That's what every artist should do. I think if you put a lot into something and you lose, you can understand why you didn't didn't win. And you should also feel how you feel about losing. And, you, and that's okay. You should express. You don't have to always be a sport. The high road is what you do for the public. But personally, yeah, everyone can eat a dick. <laughs> so, that's that. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I don't really have anything uh, to tell people to watch. I know I'm going to uh, try to watch one of these shows. I think I'm either getting to the Manti Teo joint that everyone's talking about or um, um, oh, I actually need to finish the last episode of Flatbush Misdemeanors. I think that's the final episode of season two, so I need to jump on that. Um, I need to finish watching I, uh, I Just Killed My Dad. Uh, Cause that is a roller coaster so far, but I want to make no. Actually, this is what you should go watch. Go watch the web of make uh, of make believe. Um, you know, at least the first episode. I mean, the whole series is great. Series is great. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, support my guy Andrew Claycomb and go watch that. And uh, until next time, thanks for joining the club.